Chapter Four of the Adventures of Tommy Post Office: The True Story of a Cat, by Gabriel E. Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Fascio. Chapter Four: Tommy in the Guise of Cupid. On raced the cat, helter-skelter, pell-mell. He neither looked nor cared where he was going. His object was to get out of and away from that dark place in which he had been confined. But agile and active as he was, the big city, the busy streets, the noise and clatter all about him caused him to halt a moment, and in that moment he was espied by a terrier, which boasted the unenviable record of never having missed his prey when that prey was a cat. There was a bound, a yelp, and one desperate scratch. Mr. Terrier drew back a half-second, and that was enough for Tommy. Across the street, almost under trolley-cars, over the lawn of the pretty park he darted, his pursuer hot upon his heels. It was a wild race for life and liberty, and Tommy paused not upon the order of his going. A short distance within the park stood a row of seats. On the end one sat a young girl reading. Her back was toward Tommy. It would have made no difference to him had her face been turned that way. One side was quite as good as the other to him, for the boost he needed to get up the tree beneath which she was sitting, and the next thing she knew there was a rush, a scramble, a general hurrah, and up her back darted a cat to claw up the tree and glare derisively at the bristling dog, which seemed disposed to follow his example and use the lady for a stepladder. In one instant there was a change of positions. But this girl was not given to shrieking or making a fuss. Her parasol stood beside her, and it had a good stout handle. Mr. Terrier did not want a second rap upon his broad crown with it, and when his master came upon the scene, that master received some very wholesome advice upon the subject of permitting his dog to chase a cat, for this girl loved cats. The dog was put in a leash and led away. Next came the problem of rescuing Tommy Post Office. But Tommy was a wiseacre. No sooner had that dog vanished than meow came from the crotch of the tree where he sat. Poor kitty, poor kitty, come pussy, come down, called the young girl, and Tommy proceeded to accept the invitation. Bit by bit down he crept, at length turning backward and letting himself down by his claws. The last wriggle, the final clutch, was made, and Tommy was safe in her outstretched arms. Poor pussy, you certainly had a close call that time. Now sit here in my lap, and get over your fright, then we'll see what can be done. Let me see to whom you belong. She turned the collar about in order to read the inscription. As she did so, a gentleman stopped in front of her, and raised his hat, and said, I beg your pardon, but will you tell me how in the name of all that is wonderful Tommy Post Office happens to be in your lap? Tommy, you old scamp, how came you way out here? Meow, row, row, warbled Tommy, deserting his rescuer to spring to Robert Western's shoulder, from which vantage point he grinned upon the girl as though to say, You didn't know that cats were gifted with second sight, perhaps. I could tell you a thing or two if I wished to, but I guess I won't. Why, Mr. Weston, does he belong to you? I've only an interest in him. He is Uncle Sam's property, and I am still guessing as how he came here. I am glad to meet you again, Miss Westfield. You see, I am renewing my acquaintance on the strength of Tommy's intimacy, and having heard you sing so often at St. Mark's. 
and Robert Weston smiled pleasantly upon the girl sitting there with the soft autumn light all about her. "'I am pleased to have you do so, I'm sure. How fortunate that you happened along in time to rescue the cat!' It looks as though the rescuing has already been done, and all that remains for me to do is escort this gentleman back home, and thank you in the name of the post office, boys, for befriending him. You would do well to make your manners, old man, and come back to the office with me. Robert Weston dropped upon the seat as he spoke, and Tommy promptly hopped down upon his lap, rubbed against him, and then settled himself down for a siesta. Made up your mind to spend the rest of the day here, old man? Tommy warbled contentedly. The park was beautiful in its autumn dress, the air soft and dreamy as one could wish, Mr. Weston a tower of strength against officious dogs and mischievous boys, the young lady beside them as pretty as a dream, so what better place could be found? Tommy said within himself, let well enough alone. Twenty minutes passed, as twenty minutes have a trick of passing, when one is agreeably entertained, and neither Robert Weston nor Tommy took heed. Then Miss Westfield rose to her feet, saying, "'This will never do for a busy music teacher, Mr. Weston. You know I am a businesswoman nowadays, and must look to my pupils' voices.' "'Meow-row!' warbled Tommy. Miss Westfield broke into a merry laugh as she asked, "'Does he understand the human tongue, Mr. Weston?' "'Looks like it. Want your voice cultivated, Tommy, old man? What were those, chest or throat notes? I am sure that I shall have to take him in hand. What a promising pupil he would make with that remarkable rolling of his R's. Shall we begin at once, Tommy? You will have to learn the way to my studio. She stroked the cat, which was now perched upon the seat, and looking at them with wisdom written all over him. You will have to come to Tommy's house, Miss Westfield, said Mr. Weston looking at her in a manner which caused a pretty color to creep into her cheeks, for although he had seen Mary Westfield many times before, and had occasionally spoken with a pretty soprano of St. Mark's, somehow he had never realized how very attractive she was until Tommy undertook to awaken him to that fact. "'Oh, no, my pupils all come to me, Mr. Weston, and I cannot make an exception in Tommy's case.' "'Very well, then. There is only one thing to be done.' Tommy's voice must be cultivated, and I shall have to see that he attends to it without further delay. I fear that valuable time has already been lost. I shall bring him to the studio myself. It may have to be after our business hours, for our time is precious, isn't it, Tommy? He said, as he stooped to pick up the cat and place him upon his shoulder. And we shall have to take our music lessons in the evening. Will that be convenient, Miss Westfield? Provided you do not ask for too many a week, my time too is very valuable, you know, and particularly my evenings. Mary Westfield's eyes were very bewitching, and her voice had a ring of fun in it. They had now reached the edge of the park, where their paths divided. Good morning, Mr. Weston. I wish you a safe journey with your unusual charge. Goodbye, Tommy Post Office. I hope to hear good reports of you. Goodbye, Miss Westfield. Many thanks for your kindness to this chap. The boys will appreciate it. Come and see him upon his native heath sometime. He's worth seeing there, I assure you. I do not doubt it. Sometime perhaps I will. Thank you. Goodbye. Now what freak entered the head of the ever-freakish Tommy just at that moment no one will ever be able to tell. He had known Robert Weston as long as he had been able to know anything, and he had known Mary Westfield barely thirty minutes. 
Yet right there in the very midst of the big city, with noise and confusion all about him, he chose to desert the friend whom he had known for months, and in whom he should have had implicit faith, to spring to the shoulder of a slip of a girl whom the terrier, from which he had so recently escaped, could have thrown right off her small feet. Mary Westfield gave a jump which very nearly unseated him. The move was so unexpected. "'You little rascal!' cried Mr. Weston, making a dive for the erratic animal. But Tommy evaded him and sprang to the ground. Then began a pretty chase. Up the park for about a hundred feet tore Tommy, then stopped and waited for them to overtake him. Mr. Weston ran after him. The cat let him come almost within reach. Then off he darted again, up the hill, straight for Asylum Avenue, as though the very spirit of mischief were in him. Now it is no use denying that Mr. Weston had a pretty correct idea of the figure he was cutting as he chased along in the middle of the highway after a runaway cat, but there are times when one is prepared to make a mighty effort to control one's temper. Mary Westfield, with a very amused smile upon her lips, and her eyes fairly dancing, followed slowly behind the chaser and the chased. Anything more tantalizing than that cat it would have been difficult to conceive of. One moment tearing along the sidewalk, the next rolling over and over in the grass which grew beside it, Tommy seemed to say, What is the use of your trying to catch me? I can escape you every time and only half try. See? See? Moreover, I am taking you in the very direction you know perfectly well you would like to go if you only had half an excuse, and here I am giving you the best one ever heard of, the rescue of the post office cat. So come on. Number eight isn't so very far up, and you can ride back in a trolley car if you are in such a dreadful hurry. There is little doubt that Tommy Post Office would have succeeded in carrying out his scheme to perfection, had not a small boy interfered. Tommy had not counted upon him, but there he was, and in just about a second Tommy had run straight into him. There was a wild scramble, and Tommy was a prisoner. If Mr. Weston gave him a little shake when he took him from the boy, the impulse was wholly due to time lost from postal duties, and not because a pair of laughing eyes were looking roguishly into his as Miss Westfield came up. End of chapter 4